Please turn with me in your scripture to the book of Ruth. We'll be reading Ruth uh, chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, reading through down to the end of the uh, end of the chapter. Uh, we've been introduced to uh, Naomi and Ruth, and last time we were introduced to uh, Boaz, who appeared uh, on the scene, had taken notice uh, of Ruth and provided for her protection and care uh, and and food. And so we left the story uh, last time uh, with uh, Ruth expressing how she was utterly amazed at this kindness and had been comforted greatly. And so we pick up the story, Ruth chapter 2 at verse 14. This is the word of the Lord. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together for his blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We've already sung together our prayer that there would be showers of a blessing. We thank you that you have uh, sent out your word and that it accomplishes everything uh, for which you you send it. It never falls to the ground, uh, but it accomplishes your purposes. And so we thank you for each one who's come today. And so, Lord, we know that your word has a purpose today to fulfill by your spirit in each of our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would fulfill that purpose, Lord, for our good and for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1733, 1733, Alexander Pope, uh, the famous English 
poet, famous for memorable lines such as, uh, to err is human, to forgive divine. You know that one? That was Alexander Pope. He wrote an essay uh, on man. Uh, Alexander Pope believed in God. Uh, He knew man to be fallen, but he believed man must find his own way of salvation. But he also believed that life is a struggle uh, for man to understand the ways of God. And so faith and hope are crucial. And so this is what he wrote in part of that poem. Heaven from all creatures hides the book of fate. All but the page prescribed their present state. O blindness to the future kindly given, that each may fill the circle marked by heaven. Who sees with equal eye as God of all, a hero perish or a sparrow fall, atoms or systems into ruin hurled, now a bubble burst and now a world. Hope humbly then, with trembling pinion soar, wait the great teacher death and God adore. What future bliss he gives not thee to know, but gives that hope to be thy blessing now. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man never is, but always to be blessed, wrote Alexander Pope. Hope. Uh, As we come to this part of the scripture reading, hope, Ruth seems to have it. Uh, But Naomi, not so much. We noted last time that uh, Ruth and Naomi, as they come back from Moab, are both changed women. Uh, Ruth is a changed woman. She's come to faith in the one true and living God. She's left uh, idolatry uh, behind, and uh, the God of Israel will be her, her God, and God's people will be her people. She's a changed woman. But Naomi is also a changed woman, you remember? Her name means pleasant, but now she wants to be known as Mara Bitter because of the bitter experiences of her life. She was full, and now she's empty. And so she comes back to Bethlehem, and, uh, and um, she doesn't have much hope. She's a changed uh, woman. But we noted at the end of chapter 1 that there is hope, because the Bible says they come back to, uh, uh, to Bethlehem, and it's, uh, uh, it's the time of the barley harvest. The fruits are beginning to, to come in. The famine is over. There's food. And so we're introduced, these two women and ourselves, as we read this story, to one remarkable man whom we met last time. Ruth goes out to glean in the field as God's law provided for the poor and widows. She comes to the field of Boaz, and Boaz comes to the field as well. As it happened, it happened, the Bible says. God's timing is perfect. And Boaz, we quickly realize, is a godly man. He greets his workers with a Lord be with you. They return the greeting with the Lord bless you. Whoever Boaz is, we know he's a man of God. And we quickly see that Boaz has been provided by the Lord at just the right time to one who has come to seek refuge under the wings of the Almighty. And Boaz takes notice. Boaz provides. Boaz protects. Boaz is kind. And Boaz comforts. And so Boaz has entered the story, these two changed women, Naomi humbled and in one sense uh, hopeless, Ruth changed, faith in the Lord, and, uh, and wondering if she will be welcomed among the people of God, and Boaz who brings protection and love and care and favor and grace and kindness and comfort. And the uh, last thing we noted last time also was how Ruth responded to this care and protection 
of Boaz. You'll remember she fell on her face. She was humbled to the dust. She was in utter amazement that this man would take notice of her and that she, a foreigner, has found favor in his eyes. This is a gospel story. Ruth the Moabite has found refuge under the wings of the Lord, and Boaz is a picture of the Lord himself providing that rest and comfort and refuge that comes to us through the grace and favor of God through Jesus Christ himself. Well, uh, last time we noticed in passing that at the very beginning of chapter 2, we're being set up for what is to come. Remember that? Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And that meant, of course, Boaz was related. Boaz is a kinsman. But first, back to our story. It's dinner time. Dinner time. Verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, that's Ruth, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. The hungry are filled and are satisfied. So bread and wine are provided to Ruth. She sat, the Bible says, beside the reapers because Boaz had invited her to draw near. Come here. Ruth would never have uh, approached on her own. Uh, But Boaz says, draw near. She sits beside the reapers. The Bible says she ate all she wanted, all she needed. And the Bible says she was satisfied. Uh, And still, there was food left over. So Boaz here simply provides for Ruth here in a wonderful way. Now, don't miss this, of course. Uh, Though she's a Moabite, she is not treated as a a second-class citizen. She's welcomed into the circle of Boaz. She's not given a um, a table in the corner um, or a patch of grass to sit on at a distance from others. She's, she's welcomed in to the inner circle, as it were, of Boaz and his reapers. I don't know if you've ever been, treated diff- ever been treated differently than others when you go somewhere. I remember in December, we took our family to a, uh, a Christmas concert there in Fontana. And, uh, of course, there was a lot of children, so I bought the normal price tickets, uh, general entry tickets. I didn't get the early entry tickets. I didn't get the VIP entrance tickets. Uh, So we got into line with the hordes of other people uh, and fought for the best seat we could when we eventually got in. And when we got in, we noticed that there was this this whole swath of seats uh, right in front of the stage that no one was sitting in. But then the door opened on the side. Doors opened, and uh, about 15 minutes before the concert, and a select group of VIPers came in. And they nonchalantly went down to the front and took the best seats in the house. I have to confess, I felt like kind of like a second class or third class at that point, right? Because I'm back here. Well, uh, Ruth has come to find refuge under the wings of the Lord, you'll remember. She's already professed that Naomi's people would be her people, Naomi's God, her God. And here we see that she's welcomed into close fellowship with Boaz, eating and drinking together bread and wine. 
And no, I don't think it's a stretch to see here the Lord's provision for his people. Because we've already seen Boaz is meant to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. She's welcomed in. She's a Moabite, but she's welcomed right in for bread and wine. Um, Through faith in Christ, what does the Bible say? Well, through faith in Christ, the Bible says we are welcome at the table. Right? We're welcomed. We're welcomed to the Lord's table. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek, slave or free, man or woman, rich or poor. There are plenty of illustrations in the New Testament that remind us of this great principle that in the Lord, because of His grace and mercy and favor towards us, uh, we are welcome at His table, no matter who we are, through faith in Christ. Remember the warning in James chapter 2, James chapter 2, where he describes this picture of a church service, just like we're having a church service here, and a rich man and a poor man come into the building, and uh, some folks notice the rich man, and they usher him into a wonderful seat. And they say to the poor man who comes in, we got a seat for you way in the back behind the uh, food servers. You sit back there. And uh, that leads James to a discussion of how, you know, faith without works or without any kind of evidence that you actually love the Lord, it's dead and no faith at all. And he says, you can't treat uh, the rich and the poor differently. You shouldn't make distinctions that way. And in fact, James says that's evil to do that. Making judgments based on rich or poor, that's, that's evil to make those distinctions. Uh, though in Christ, we tend to make distinctions, don't we, among ourselves, and, and we do become judges. So here's Ruth. Welcome to the table, though she's a Moabite. The gospel tells us we're welcome at the table, but we struggle with that. We might say to some folks, you sit here, but you sit over there. You I will welcome into my inner circle. You I will approach and greet and welcome to worship. You I will have in my home. Uh, You I will have for a meal. And you I will go out of my way to be kind to. You I will call brother and sister and friend. But as for you... (laughs) (laughs) I might walk by on the other side. I avoid you. I don't speak with you. I don't have you over. I don't greet you at worship. I don't sit beside you or ask you how you are. I don't want to be with you, study with you, pray with you, etc. We make distinctions, James says, and we become judges with evil thoughts. We often overlook, for instance, the poor and the outcasts, the sojourners and the aliens, the people who are not like us. But not Boaz. And he could have. He could have. I mean, it must have been tempting to have evil thoughts of Ruth, for instance. He could have said to himself, who is this woman? Um, first of all, she's from Moab. Yuck! You know, across the, across the border, ancient enemies of, of God's people. She professes to seek refuge with the Lord, but she used to worship idols, you know. Can you trust her? What's she doing in my field? You know, why doesn't she go somewhere else? Maybe to the Baptist field or the Pentecostal field. You know, what's she doing in our field? Or is she just trying to get something for nothing? Okay, I know Boaz might have said, the law commands me to let people like her glean in my field, but I don't have to have anything to do with them. They can get their gleanings and get out of here. You know, I need to focus on profits, building up my estate. No, 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 no. Uh, We hear none of that from Boaz. Instead, the Bible says Ruth is welcomed to the table. She has a place among the reapers of Boaz. She's food and drink provided and is satisfied. We come, friends, as Christians to the table of the Lord, trusting Christ 
having sought refuge in Christ, professing faith in him, uh, amazed as Ruth was at his gracious provision. We come as amazed at his gracious provision for sinners like us, outsiders, foreigners, unworthy of his attention, unworthy of such a feast, and we are satisfied in him. What a wonderful picture. Uh, reminds me of the, the hymn by the Gaithers that goes like this. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain and cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. You'll notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here. But praise God, I belong. Come here. Come here, Boaz says. Sit with my reapers. Well, you have to wonder, when was the last time Ruth had enjoyed a meal like this? Roasted grain? Mm. But the day was not over, and there was more amazement to come. Notice what the Bible says, verse 15. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her. Leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. This is grace abounding. Ruth gets back up to work. Boaz pulls his reapers aside with a special word of instruction. And that word is this. I know that the law allows for her to glean, you know, behind the reapers and on the edge of the field. That's what the law requires, to get those leftovers at the edge of the field. But I want you to let her come right up among the sheaves themselves, right up into the harvest there, uh, so that she can get the good stuff. And don't reproach her for doing so. In fact, take some of the good stuff, which you've already gathered uh, in bundles, and purposefully pull some out and leave it for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. In other words, Boaz says to his men, make sure that she has the best. I don't want her going home you know, with a little handful. Um, I want you to make sure that she can't miss the abundance which I'm making available to her. Spread it out all over the ground. Let her gather it up. I'll make sure that she has more than she could ever possibly gather on her own. You make sure of it. Now, how can we relate to this scene? Uh, Well, let me tell you of a neighbor I had growing up uh, who lived down the road from our farm. His name was Brooksy. Uh, Brooksy was his name. When I was little, I would walk up and down our country road collecting pop cans and beer bottles from the side of the road in order to take them to a recycling center to make a little bit of of money. I was eight years old or so. And so I'd search high and low along the roadside looking for what others had left behind or tossed out of their window because they can't be bothered to take it to the recycle center and, um, and get some money back. And it was often a lot of work for very little payback. I'd spend several hours searching just for a small bag of cans or bottles to take in. Well, one day... I was uh, collecting outside Brooksy's trailer, and uh, he saw me 
out in the, uh, in the gutter there, or the, the ditch, collecting cans and bottles. And he invited me into his trailer. Now, uh, I was only eight years old at the time, so keep in mind, this is not an example for you to follow. But nonetheless, uh, he saw me out there, and uh, he said he had something for me, and if I wanted to come in. So I did. Uh, and he scrounged around for a bit, bit and he, uh, he brought out this big black garbage bag full of cans and bottles, and he gave them uh, to me. <laughs> for me, uh, it was like Christmas. You know, that bag full would have taken me days to gather up, and there it was, a gift in one big lump. Uh, the picture here, friends, is of Boaz going above and beyond the call of duty. Now, this was not necessary, remember. The law said, you let the poor and widows gather at the edge of the field. This is above and beyond what the law requires. This was not just grace. This was superabundant, lavish, uh, and abounding grace. And again, what a beautiful picture Boaz is to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. This past week in our Westminster Confession of Faith study, we were talking about the doctrine of adoption. That is, not only are we justified or declared righteous in God's sight, only for the sake of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, received by faith alone. Not only are we justified or declared uh, righteous, but we believe uh, that the Scripture tells us that we are also adopted into His family. As the Shorter Catechism puts it, adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. When August Roney is um, uh, finally finalized in his adoption tomorrow, the next Lord's Day, Lord willing, he will receive the, the, the privileges of being a, a son of believers, and he will uh, receive that privilege of receiving the sign of baptism that will tell him all his life that he belongs to God and God has claimed him as his own. Uh, adopted into the, the family. All the privilege. Well, what kind of privileges do you as a Christian possess? Well, remember the Bible speaks of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. The Bible speaks of the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, uh, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable riches, the unsearchable riches, and the riches of full assurance. The Bible says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And so Ruth finds refuge under the wings of the Lord, and Boaz bestows abounding grace upon her, well beyond the requirements of the law. This is, the, this is what's known as, as the gospel, right? Finding shelter under the wings of the Lord, the Lord pouring abundant grace upon us. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord welcomes all who call on Him. He calls us to His table, welcomes us into His family, and bestows riches 
upon us. And here's the thing, friends. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says this of Christ, that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, uh, which he uh, lavished, lavished upon us. Don't you get that impression from Boaz? He is lavishing care upon Ruth, the Moabite. The word lavish means to make abundant toward. That's what God does towards us in Christ in his riches. Make abundant toward. And this is what Boaz is doing. He's making abundant provision for Ruth. And the Lord makes abundant provision, abundant provision of the riches of his grace for us. So here's the thing. Those who seek the Lord, those who find shelter under the wings of the Lord, those who put their faith and trust in the Lord, uh, might come to Him empty, but they never leave Him empty. Those who seek the Lord might come to Him hopeless, but they never leave Him hopeless. Those who seek the Lord might come to Him hungry and thirsty, uh, but they never leave the Lord unsatisfied. Those who come to Him abounding grace. How can you and I not think of the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children? Let's see, what did God use again to feed them? I remember five barley loaves and two fish. Do you remember how that scene ends? You know, he's got to feed them, so Jesus kind of squeezed out just enough just to make, it, make ends meet there, to make sure everyone got a, got a little bit. No, no, uh, their, their stomachs weren't still rumbling at the end. The Bible actually says they ate, they all ate, thousands, probably 10, at least 10, 12,000 maybe, women and children, men. And the Bible says uh, they all ate and were satisfied, full. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. I don't know if you've ever been to someone's home. Maybe someone invites you over from church, and they say, uh, come on over, we'd love to have you over for a meal. So you go to their house for a meal, and uh, this hasn't happened to me, by the way. But let's say you go to their house for a meal, and uh, it looks great, and it smells great, and, uh, and it tastes great. You get a little bit, but there isn't very much. Uh-oh. And the host says, oh, sorry, I, d- I, didn't, know, I didn't know how much to make. Um, So you'll have to take just a little bit to make sure there's enough. I remember visiting a church once with our family, and they were celebrating the Lord's Supper, and they shared a common cup. You know, we do individual cups, but uh, some churches, they'll pass a common cup. But when the cup got to one member of our family, it was empty. There was no wine left. Not enough for all. Never, the Bible says, never will that be true of those who come to Jesus. And even as Ruth finds this this grace, superabounding grace from Boaz, lavish grace, so the Bible says, never will anyone come to Jesus, be drawn near to Jesus, and go away empty. The psalmist writes in Psalm 90, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love 
that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Why, says Isaiah, do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen, said Isaiah, diligently to me, eat what's good, delight yourselves in rich food. What's Isaiah saying there? Simply, instead of being satisfied in the food that only the Lord provides, His grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness, we go anywhere else to find food. But Isaiah says, if you look for satisfaction and delight and joy and peace and hope uh, anywhere other than in Jesus, who is the bread of life, you will always feel empty until you find your satisfaction in him. The Lord said to Jeremiah, for I will satisfy, satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul. I will replenish. This is what Boaz does for Ruth. This is what the Savior does for his people. But perhaps you doubt that. Maybe you don't believe that. You don't think the Lord can satisfy you. And so you look somewhere else. You doubt his provision. You're not sure he will provide. You're lonely, discouraged, helpless, angry, hungry, guilty, ashamed, hopeless, depressed, exhausted, burdened, whatever it is. Friends, we need to have, by God's grace, the conviction of the Apostle Paul that to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. So, oh, come here. A place at the table. When she's gleaning, make sure you leave for her the best. And here's the beauty of this passage, friends. This grace and hope and abundance was not just for Ruth, uh, but for Naomi too. Now remember, the last words we heard from Naomi were of her bitter experience. Uh, Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Uh, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. She went away full, now she's empty. Her hope seemed gone. Uh, But then Ruth came home. And this is what the Bible says, verse 17. So she gleaned in the field till evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she'd worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And so even in the heart of Naomi, hope springs anew. Why? Because there is a a redeemer. Now, Naomi is clearly impressed here by what Ruth brings home. Um, Have you been to Stater Brothers lately for an ephah of butter? No. Ephah barley. We're thinking about six gallons. We're thinking a little bit bigger than a five-gallon gas a tank. A uh, gas a tank? Tank of gas. Um, one or the other. And uh, uh, it's enough barley, ground barley, for several weeks of food. Probably about 30 to 50 pounds. That's why the Bible says she took it up. 30 to 50 pounds. Someone called it, uh, think about a colossal bag of dog food, somebody said. You know, carting that home. She brings this home along with the doggy bag that Boaz provided for her after dinner. 
And clearly, Naomi is impressed and she's thankful and she's wondering where Ruth uh, ended up, where she was working. And clearly, Ruth or Naomi understands someone has looked favorably upon Ruth to make all this possible. And Ruth spills the beans. His name was Boaz. Boaz means swiftness or strength. And listen to how Naomi responds. What strikes you about her response? She says, uh, she says um, uh, may he, that is Boaz, be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Now, wait a minute. This is strange. All of a sudden, the hopeless, tasting bitterness Naomi is speaking of the kindness of the Lord. The kindness, the hesed, the, the covenant love, the covenant faithfulness, the loving faithfulness, loving kindness, mercies of the Lord. And Naomi says, oh, he hasn't, he hasn't abandoned me or us. He's not forsaken us. And now she's, she's full of hope. And before where she only saw bitterness and the Lord testifying against her and calamity upon her, now she looks to the Lord for blessing. She sees His kindness and love and grace and care and provision through Boaz. She sees the loving kindness and faithfulness of God through this man, you see. Why this change of heart? Why this renewed hope? Because Boaz is a close relative of ours, she says. Now, you knew that already. One of our uh, redeemers. What's a redeemer? Well, a redeemer here is the word goel. That is, someone who can fulfill the requirements of the kinsman redeemer or the near relative. That was a law which provided that a close relative uh, could uh, redeem the property that was lost or the freedom that was lost. Uh, another member of the family. Or in the book of Leviticus, it was a brother who could take the place of and substitute for the dead husband of a widow so as to prolong the family line and preserve the family inheritance. Uh, a redeemer, a goel, was a, a near relative uh, who could, who could uh, bring, bring, bring someone out of slavery, out of poverty, and, uh, and provide for the future generation. And that's, friends, why Naomi says, blessed be the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. God has remembered us. God is not unkind. God is not wrathful towards us. He's not against us. He loves us, and He has again shown His kindness towards us in providing this Redeemer. Did you know that in Isaiah, in the book of Psalms, we often hear things like this. The Lord, your Redeemer. Or uh, my rock and my Redeemer. Or Job said, uh, I know that my Redeemer lives. Or uh, in the book of Luke, uh, when Mary welcomes uh, the news of the, of the uh, child for herself and her cousin Elizabeth also is with a uh, child. She sings that, that, that great message that the Lord has, has come to save his people. Or Zechariah in that same chapter says that the Lord is visiting and redeeming his people because of the birth, the upcoming birth of the Messiah, Jesus. 
friends Ruth and Naomi are being provided for. Ruth would stay in the field of Boaz throughout the harvest. Ruth and Naomi would be provided for. In the next chapter, we see how the Lord will bring about the redemption of Ruth. Because at the end of this chapter, of course, we read, she lived with her mother-in-law. She still... She, would, she, would she have a, a family? Would there be children? Would, and that is yet to come. But I wonder this morning, if you have ever been a Naomi... Have you ever uh, felt yourself that the Lord was against you? Maybe that the Lord had abandoned you, uh, lost hope perhaps that you could ever experience His blessing again. Maybe uh, wondering uh, what a new day would hold or you would ever have joy again. There is a Redeemer. Have you ever been a Ruth? feeling helpless, an outsider, knowing your desperate need, but wondering if anyone could ever love you or show favor to you and welcome you close and draw you close. There is a Redeemer. Friends, the Lord is calling you to Himself or perhaps calling you back to Him this morning. Ruth would not have come to Boaz's table on her own. He invited her to come near, draw near. There's there's room for you here. Cast all your burdens on Him, the Bible says, because He cares for you. He not only cares, but He loves, the Bible says. He provides, and wonderfully, like Boaz, He pours out abundantly the riches of His grace upon us in Jesus Christ. God doesn't just... A little dropper of grace. The Bible says He lavishes His grace upon us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to redeem us, to save us, to give us hope and a future. You can trust Him. You see, you can trust Him. There is an abundance of grace for you in Jesus Christ. So be amazed, like Ruth, such favor for the undeserving. And be filled with hope anew, like Naomi. There is, there's a Redeemer, you see. Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, the Holy One. May you find joy and hope in Him today. Let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, we thank you that there is a Redeemer. We thank you for your abounding grace. We thank you for the the lavishness of your love. Lord, that you go well beyond what the law requires. Jesus pays for our sin at the cross, but then we receive grace and mercy abounding. And so we thank you, dear God, for your love to us. We pray, Lord, this morning that whoever we are, Lord, if we are those who have lost hope, if we have lost a a sense of your love and kindness and grace and faithfulness, Lord, that we would hope anew uh, today, knowing that you have provided all that we need for life and godliness in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Him, that you will supply every need of ours through the abundance of your riches and glory 
in Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we find that hope and that joy anew again in you today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.